0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Daily Kaylee's 13 Days of Halloween. We are almost done with this year's 13 Days of Halloween. There are only four episodes left, including tonight, and it makes me so sad that it goes by so fast every year. But just because Halloween is almost here and the series is almost finished does not mean that I don't have a multitude of insane cases to talk about for the rest of the year. With that being said, tonight's episode is about Jack the Ripper. I'm sure all of you have heard of Jack the Ripper. I actually can't believe that I haven't done an episode on him yet. But, if you were not aware, Jack the Ripper was a serial killer that was active in London in 1888. He... Is still unidentified and we have no suspects. This is a very, very infamous case of five murders. There are multiple suspected murders, theorized murders, however, only five. Have been proven to be connected. Which is insane for how big Jack the Ripper is. Like I said, this happened in London. Primarily in the area of Whitechapel. Which was a lower class area. Pretty much all of his murders were of prostitutes. That were living and working in Whitechapel. Which was essentially the slums of london all five women had their throat cut their throats cut prior to mutilation of their abdomen they were basically ripped to shreds which is where the term jack the ripper comes from at least 3 of his victims had internal organs removed this led investigators to believe that jack the ripper had some surgical knowledge. He didn't necessarily have to be a doctor, but they did look into doctors because they were very precise. The name Jack the Ripper came from a letter that was written by an individual claiming to be the murderer. It's been proven, uh, well, okay, I won't say it's been proven, because it has not been proven, considering we don't know who Jack the Ripper is. But it is largely believed that this letter was fake, it was a hoax, it was just someone who wanted attention and wanted to blow up the story, basically. One letter was received by the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee. And they received a letter that had half of a preserved human kidney, which was assumed to have been taken from one of the victims. After this letter was received and word spread, this is when the public became very interested. And they began to believe these cases were connected and it was at the hands of a single serial killer who they were now calling Jack the Ripper. Eleven similar murders were committed. Not only the five that were confirmed, but the other six were also investigated at the same time. However, they were unable to connect all of the killings to the five murders of Jack the Ripper. The five murders that are considered to be like 100% connected. The victims are Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. All of these murders took place in a little over two months, between August 31st and November 9th of 1888. They've never been solved, like I said. He has never been identified. Like I said, Whitechapel was essentially the slums of London. It was lower class citizens of London. It was also becoming increasingly overcrowded because of Irish immigrants that were moving to Europe. They also had Jewish refugees that were fleeing the Russian Empire at this time and other areas of Eastern Europe. They all came to Whitechapel because this is what they could afford. It was increasingly overcrowded. Day by day, more people were moving to this area. By 1888, when the murders took place, there were about 80,000 people living in this small area of London. The working conditions, the housing conditions, the economic conditions, they were all awful, and they only got worse. Robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were very common here. The... Childhood death rate was at 55% by the time children turned five years old. Because of how bad the economy was in this area, there were lots of prostitutes. Women were turning to prostitution to support their families. The first victim of Jack the Ripper was Emma Elizabeth Smith, aka Elizabeth Smith. This one is not 100% connected to Jack the Ripper. This is the first case that they looked at when they noticed the pattern. There are two cases that they cannot say are connected to the other five and these they're widely believed to be his first two victims but like I said they're not 100% connected so I will let you be the judge of that after I tell you about them Emma Elizabeth Smith was robbed and sexually assaulted in Whitechapel at approximately 1:30 a.m. on April 3rd, 1888. She had been bludgeoned all around her face and had a cut on her ear. A blunt object was proven to have been inserted into her vagina. She survived, but she died from a disease the following day at London Hospital. Emma stated that she had been attacked by two or three men, and she said one of them was as young as a teenager. Like I said... This has been linked to Jack the Ripper, but at this time, most newspapers believed that this was related to some gang violence that was going on in the East End of London at this time. The second case that is widely believed to be connected is Martha Tabram. She was murdered on a staircase landing in Whitechapel on August seventh, 1888. She had suffered 39 stab wounds, all to her throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, and abdomen. And she had additional knife wounds on her breasts and inside of her vagina. All but one of her wounds came from a penknife, knife. And it seems that all of the wounds had been inflicted by a right-handed individual. She had not been raped. Therefore, they kind of ruled out sexual battery as a motive. It's just very strange. Like I said, they can't connect this to the Ripper 100% because she did not exactly fit the profile of the other victims. She did not have any slash wounds on her throat or her abdomen. She had no missing organs. However... We can't deny that it's similar. The first confirmed victim was Mary Ann Nichols, and she was found at 3.40 a.m. on Friday, August 31st, 1888, in Whitechapel. Mary Ann had been last seen alive about one hour before her body was found. And... It was a previous roommate who she had shared a room with at a lodging house. According to her roommate, Mrs. Emily Holland, she was walking in the direction of Whitechapel when they, passed, they crossed paths. When she was found, her throat was severed by two deep cuts. It severed all of the tissue in her throat down to her vertebrae. Her vagina had been stabbed twice and the lower part of her abdomen was ripped open by a deep wound, which was causing her bowels to protrude through her abdomen. She had several other incisions that were on both sides of her abdomen, and they seemed to have been inflicted in a downward thrusting manner. One week later, on Saturday, September 8th, the body of Annie Chapman was discovered at 6 a.m., Just like in Marianne's case, her throat was completely severed by two deep cuts. Her abdomen had been cut entirely open, and a section of the flesh from her stomach was placed upon her left shoulder. Another section of skin and flesh that had some of her small intestines attached was removed and placed on her right shoulder. When they did her autopsy, it was discovered that her uterus and her bladder had been removed. After they were asking for information about her murder, a woman by the name of Elizabeth Long said that she had seen the woman standing outside of her house at about 530 a.m. And that she was in the company of a dark haired man wearing a brown hat, a dark overcoat and had a shabby appearance. According to the eyewitness, all the woman heard was that the man had asked Annie, will you? And she said yes. She had no idea what they were talking about or who this man was. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes were both killed the same day, around the same time in the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th. Elizabeth's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m., and the cause of death for Elizabeth was a single clear-cut incision, which was about six inches across her neck and it had severed her artery and her trachea before ending right beneath her, the right side of her jaw. There were no other mutilations to her body. At first, they weren't sure that this had been committed by the same person. It was very strange. However, several eyewitness accounts informed the police that they had seen Elizabeth in the company of a man on the evening of September 29th into the early hours of September 30th. However, each witness gave differing descriptions. Some said that he was fair-skinned, some said he had dark skin, some said that he looked to be well-dressed and well-mannered, others said he looked really shabby. It was very strange. Catherine Eddowes' body was found in a corner of Meter Square in London, just about 45 minutes after Elizabeth Stride's body was found. Her throat was severed from ear to ear, and her abdomen had been ripped open by a long, deep wound. Her intestines had been removed and placed over her right shoulder, and one section of her intestines was completely detached and placed between her body and her left arm. Her left kidney and her uterus had been removed and her face had been disfigured. Her nose was severed, her cheek was slashed, and she was covered in deep cuts all around her eyelids. There was a triangular incision on Catherine's face that pointed towards her eye. It had also been carved on both of her cheeks. The police surgeon who did the autopsy on Catherine's body stated that this would, these mutilations alone would have taken at least five minutes to complete. And no one saw this happen. A local cigarette salesman named Joseph La- Lowend, Laund, he, paw- he passed by a walkway in Meter Square with two friends right before the murder. He claimed to have seen a fair-haired man of medium build with a shabby appearance with a woman who could have been Catherine. The two men that he was with were unable to confirm his description. It's believed they were most likely drunk, but it was just very strange. A section of Catherine's bloody apron was found at the entrance to a house in Whitechapel at 2.55 a.m. There was a chalk inscription written on the wall directly above where the apron was that said, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. The message appeared to imply that the Jewish immigrants that were coming to Whitechapel were responsible for the murders. But it's unclear if this was written by the murderer Or if this was just completely coincidental and had nothing to do with the apron being there. It's just very strange. At 1045 a.m. on Friday, November 9th. Mary Jane Kelly's body was discovered lying on the bed in the room where she lived. On Dorset Street in Whitechapel. This was the most mutilated body yet. She had been disemboweled. Her face was completely destroyed with a knife. Her throat was severed all the way down to her spine, and she was missing most of her abdominal organs. Her uterus, her kidneys, and one of her breasts were placed underneath her head on the bed with other organs from her body placed beside her foot. Sections of her abdomen and her thighs were on the bedside table, and the heart was missing from the crime scene. There were a lot of ashes found in the fireplace in her room, and it was suggested that whoever had murdered Mary Ann had burned several combustible objects to light up the room so that he could see as he mutilated her. Each of these murders happened at night, on or close to the weekend, and they were either at the end of the month or the end of the week. It's so strange. Different organs were missing from three of the five women. And like I said, although Mary Ann Kelly, all, all, most of her abdominal organs were removed, the only thing actually missing was her heart. It is easy to see how... These five murders could have been linked to each other with the first two being a bit unclear. There were murders that came after that were believed to have possibly been by Jack the Ripper, but eventually these were ruled out. We don't have a lot of information about the investigation because all of the London police files relating to the investigation, well, not all of them, but the majority of them, were destroyed in the Blitz, which was a German bombing during World War II, if you you didn't know that. However, what we do have... It's still a bit interesting. The main thing that we have from the investigation is the criminal profiling and we have some information about the Vigilance Committee. We do know that butchers, slaughters, surgeons, and physicians they were all the main suspects. Mainly because of the way that the bodies were mutilated and cut. A lot of Local butchers and slaughterers were investigated and these two groups were ultimately eliminated from questioning because I guess all of them had alibis and it was just kind of ruled out that no one in town could have done that. Over 76 of them were visited and questioned and they were questioned for them and all their employees for the past six months. Even Queen Victoria thought that the culprit had to have been a butcher. However, that was completely rolled out. So after that, we are on to surgeons and doctors. The Whitechapel Vigilance Committee was a group of volunteer citizens that literally just patrolled the streets looking for shady people. They were very dissatisfied with the police and also because they were mainly shop owners and they were concerned that all of these murders were affecting their businesses, which is fair. The criminal profiling that we have that has remained since the Blitz, a lot of it points towards a surgeon, like I said. This is what the profile says, word for word. All five murders, no doubt, were committed by the same hand. In the first four, the throats appeared to have been cut from left to right. In the last case, owing to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say in what direction the fatal cut was made. But arterial blood was found on the wall in splashes close to where the woman's head must have been lying. All of the circumstances surrounding the murders lead me to form the opinion that the woman must have been lying down when murdered, and in every case that the throat was first cut. Like I said, there's really been no notable suspects. I will say, at the time, they thought it it could have been a doctor or some form of educated upper class man. They also believed that because all of these murders occurred during weekends or public holidays and they were so close to each other, they believed this man was employed and he lived locally. Years after the murders, there were a few suspects, but they were never actually considered in the police investigation because they were very far-fetched. One suspect was Prince Albert. One was the artist Walter Sickert. And one was Lewis Carroll, the author. So that gives you... Insight into exactly how close we have been to catching Jack the Ripper. We have been able... I say we, but when I say we, I mean the London police. They were able to save a lot of the original letters that were written. Some of them were written by citizens offering advice. Others were proven to be hoaxes or completely useless. However, there were hundreds of letters... That were claimed to have been written by the killer himself. Three of them are very specific and they are probably the most famous. I will read them to you. And when I say read them, I mean I will read the transcription because I cannot read the handwriting. The first letter has been titled the Dear Boss Letter. It was dated September 25th, 1888, and it was postmarked September 27th. It was actually received by the news agency, and it was forwarded forwarded to Scotland Yard, who was investigating the murder. At first, it was considered to be another prank or a hoax, but when they found Catherine's body three days after the postmark, they noticed that her murder added up to this letter. I'm going to try my best to read this and it's going to be very, very hard for me to read because they're actually, I did not save the transcription. Great. Why can I not find it? Okay, here it is. Dear Boss... I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on horse and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will hear soon, you will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. The reason this letter has been, became so famous is because when Catherine's body was found, A section of her ear was cut from her body. The second famous letter is the Saucy Jackie postcard. And it's called that because it had like half of a bloody handprint on it. This postcard was sent once again to the Central News Agency of London, and it was postmarked October 1st, 1888. This is what it says. I was not codding, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off. Had not time to get ears off for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I go to work again. Jack the Ripper. This one is interesting because of the double murder. Where Elizabeth Stride was relatively unscathed, other than obviously having her throat cut. But she had no mutilations and he said that he couldn't finish the first one straight off. The third famous letter is the From Hill letter. This is the letter that was sent with half of a human kidney to the chairman of the Vigilance Committee. This letter was postmarked October 15, 1888, and it was delivered the following day. When they examined the kidney... They discovered that whoever had this kidney was suffering from Bright's disease, and that doesn't really help us. But that's basically all they got from from my, uh, not identifying, from investigating, and testing the kidney. The letter says, "From hell." Mr. Lusk, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman. Preserved it for you. The other piece I fried and ate. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out, if only you wait a while longer. Signed, Catch Me When You Can, Mr. Lusk. I wish I had... Any other update for you. But truly, I don't. Like I said, the main theory remains that he is a doctor or a surgeon. At the very least, he seems to be a man who has education on anatomy or surgery itself. He seems to be an upper class man. I was actually talking about this case with one of my close friends this morning. And she has an interesting theory. Well, really, she has three theories, but I'll start and go from the beginning to the end of that. She said that she believes Jack the Ripper could have actually been a woman and not a man. And I asked her why she believed that. And she said because all of these murders were so fast and yet no one saw anything no one heard anything some of these women had just been seen an hour before their bodies were being found and she said it's because as women you're more likely to trust a woman if a woman approached you on the street and talked to you she could slash your throat before you'd have a chance to scream you wouldn't be wary of a woman Her second theory is that Jack the Ripper was using prostitutes for human trafficking. And this is how he was able to kill more prostitutes, if that makes sense. That one I'm iffy about because I know that this is the 1800s, so... People were not reported missing as often as they are now. But also with the amount of women that were just murdered and mutilated. I feel like that was his number one goal. Not kidnapping. However, the third theory is the one that I believe to be most accurate. She believed that he was organ harvesting for reasons unknown. But I can agree with that one. The only thing that stands out to me with that is that his last victim, that he mutilated and removed all of her abdominal organs, he only took her heart. He didn't take her uterus or her kidneys. However, he seemed to have taken different organs from each woman. He never took the same thing twice. And I think that is very interesting in that sort of can go to prove her theory let me know what you guys think about this episode i hope you enjoyed it i will see you guys in a few days bye guys